You are now tuned in to the December 26er podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. What's up, 26er fam? Welcome to another episode of the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delisha, and we are back with another interview. This episode's guest is Brandon Frame. Brandon is the Deputy Director of Social Emotional Learning at Urban Assembly and the Chief Visionary Officer of the Black Man Can Incorporated. I really enjoyed our conversation, which touched on a number of things, including the Black Man Can's initiatives around nurturing young boys and promoting a variety of images of strong Black men and also supporting Black women. We also talked about longing for marriage and family and the dynamics between Black men and Black women in relationships. A lot of good stuff in here, and I hope you enjoy. So please take a listen. Brandon, welcome to the December 26th podcast. How are you? I'm amazing. Um, It's an honor to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to come and share a little bit about the work that I'm doing and what inspires me to uh, push forward and push through. Thanks so much for being here. And thanks for your enthusiasm. You've been like all about it since our first conversation. Absolutely. I I mean, I love um, opportunity to connect with new people, opportunity to share a story. I think there's power in our stories. And so hopefully there's somebody listening who can be motivated uh, by uh, my story and my journey. And so just thank you for the opportunity to share. Absolutely. So let's get into that story and that journey. Who is Brandon Frame? Brandon Frame is a role model, a scholar, a gentleman, uh, a renaissance man with a social conscience uh, and global perspective. Somebody who lives by the words, um, once you make an observation, you have an obligation. Um, Man of God, uh, you got to walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, faith without work is dead. Uh, so that's that's me. You know, I think all those different things uh, encompass me. I think some days, you know, I'm exactly what I just said. And, you know, I also have my other side, I guess, which is, uh, you know, I'm into trap music and I like to turn up. And, you know, that double consciousness is real. Sure. Um, but I think that a lot of people don't know that about me. But, you know, it's like some days, some days, um green tea and other days I'm Hennessy, but you know, well, you know, we've been hearing that a lot. Some people have said it actually on the recording of the podcast and others have just told me privately, but there's always that dual consciousness. And I think you have to have levity in some way or another. Now, personally, I'm not into brown liquor. I don't like what brown liquor does to me. (laughs) So I stay away from that. But we all have our things that help us sort of unwind and decide that maybe the world doesn't get to see or, you know, you don't necessarily put it on social media, but it's it's there. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So let's break down what it means to be a Renaissance man with a global consciousness. Yeah, a global uh, social conscience and a global perspective. Okay. (laughs) Help me understand what that means. Um, That means that... Um, I'm well-read, I'm well-traveled, well-mannered. Um, it means that um, I see the world uh, from a holistic point of view. I don't necessarily, I mean, I have my views and opinions, but mm-hmm. I try to make sure that I have informed opinions about a lot of things. Of course, we still stay opinionated about various topics, but I try to have an informed opinion. It means that um, I take people for who they are. You sure. know, I don't judge um, I'm just, you know, come as you are um, and I accept you for that and figure out how I, what, how I should move and, and dodge with that person. Um, means that um, I'm a lover of life, a mm-hmm. uh, lover of, you know, embracing the place between I did it, uh, but not yet. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, that's what it, that's what it means. It just means uh, just an all around good guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm jumping way ahead, but I'm just going to get into it. So being a black man, and we're going to talk about that in many different aspects in this interview. Um, but, you know, you, you clearly have a confidence and a self-assuredness in yourself. Um, and sometimes I think out in the world, when men of color project that it comes across as arrogance, as opposed to a positive aspect, mm-hmm. especially for a man, you should be confident and you should walk with your shoulders up. But I, I think sometimes that I've seen it in professional settings when a black man in particular comes in with a certain swag and je ne sais quoi, for lack of a better word, people are put off by that as if you're supposed to be hat in hand or what have you. Have you experienced that in your career? You know what I think that, I mean, I guess I've been fortunate to find myself in places where I don't come across that way or, or maybe I found the right way to carry myself with confidence, mm-hmm. but not come across 
as condescending, mm-hmm. come across as arrogant. Um, it's a fine line. Right. Uh, but I think that I've found a a line that I'm able to just maneuver that allows for me to be Brandon. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I think it comes from knowing that my that my hallelujah belongs to him. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it's that because of knowing that. Ideas are spiritual children seated by God inside of us. And he gives us the tools uh, to nurture them into becoming reality. Um, And then they grow into things that are bigger than ourselves. Mm -hmm. But knowing that that idea solely came from, he just gave me the tools um, in order to make it happen. And so with that, I mean, when you think about that, I mean, there's no, no better than anybody else. It's just some ideas he gave me the tools, figured it out, played the hands that I was dealt um, and, and made it happen and, and just pursued excellence with impeccable effort. Uh, but at the end of the day, I just give it all back to him. Um, and I think that that allows for me to keep a really calm, steady uh, swagger about myself that um, allows for me to to live in different spaces and places. Sure. So I love that you brought up the tools Uh and sort of utilizing those tools and exhausting potential because a lot of people have ideas and they know that those ideas are worthwhile and came from something higher than themselves, whether they call that the thing or that body God. I do. I call it God. Not everybody does. But, you know, for us, um, it's definitely that. But I think sometimes people think because that idea was given by God, it's going to be easy all the time. Right. Because it came from a divine place so that the way is going to be made, not realizing that you've got to do your part as well and definitely operate with a standard of excellence. So how have you in your journey gone about cultivating your tools and really maximizing potential? That's a great question. I think I, I look at that, um, making maximizing my opportunities when mm-hmm. I'm getting in different places, um, connecting with the right people, um, and also making sure that you ask for what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I've gotten to a place now where well, the key to asking for what you want is to build up the credibility so that when you ask, a person doesn't look at you cross-eyed, right. that you're asking for this. Um, so I think that I've done all the legwork, um, and that's because faith without work is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so um, there's, I, I have the faith, I, you know, I, I believe in God. I go to church, praise his name, but I'm out every day putting in the work. However, I, the best way I see fit um, to make these things happen. And he constantly shows you different signs, different things sure. that uh, you you should use um, in order to persevere um, through the stumbling blocks and turn those stumbling blocks into stepping stones. Um, and I think that I've been able to do that effectively, which then puts me in a position to getting back to like asking for what I want. Because um, I'm in a place where when I ask, people know I have a work ethic and a past history that allows for me to ask for what I need. Absolutely. I call those signs from God mile markers that just they show you that you're on the right track, even if the destination feels so far off. Just little indications that you should keep going and Mm -hmm. and forging ahead. And I think sometimes we dismiss them when they're really small, but even um, the most minor indication that I'm on the right track for me, I've learned to find gratitude in that and really to continue to push and know that at some point you're going to get closer and closer and you're eventually going to see that exit sign where you're like, and here we are. I finally reached my tipping point. That's important. I agree. So let's talk about a specific uh, seed that was planted by God, I'm sure. The Black Man Can. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit more about that. Uh, The Black Man Can is a digital platform digital media platform and nonprofit organization. When I was a student at Morehouse College, um, I was doing work with young men on the, uh, the, on the, south, the south side of Atlanta, Charles R. Drew Charter School. We brought the young men to Morehouse. Um, and after we you know, did the whole tour and everything, um, we went back and we were doing debriefs. And one young man said the only other place that he could picture that was like Morehouse mm-hmm. was prison. And so asking him to elaborate, um, he said, there's no other place that I could see that ha- that would have 2,800, you know, black men at one time in one place. Wow. And I thought that was like a really powerful uh, statement. And going back to MK Asante, who's one of my favorite scholars, and he says, once you make observation, you have an obligation. And so I made an observation that boys and men of color need to see positive images of themselves and need to have their stories told. Uh, so I followed through on the observation with my obligation and we created a blog eight years ago. And the blog has since grown into um, a 
movement, mm-hmm. um, which is in the form of a digital media platform and nonprofit organization focused on celebrating, educating, inspiring boys and men of color. Awesome. So this was 2010? Yes. Okay. So now, like 2018, somebody says they have a blog. That's common, right? Back in 2010, blogs were doing their thing, but it is definitely not as pervasive as it is now. So mm-hmm. do you think you were sort of ahead of your time at that point? Um, no, not at all. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean, even if you saw the way it looked, um, <laughs> you know, I think that's a big thing that if I, if I, if I would say one thing that's different now mm-hmm. is that people think with, with how much social media has grown and how many eyes can be on things or whatever, people are more thinking about what people think about when they launch something. Right. As opposed to like, if, if I thought that way, like there probably would never be a black man can mm-hmm. because what it looked like when I started is literally not what it looks like now from the website to everything that we do. Was it but, its own site or was it like blogspot? No, it was, it, it was, it was, I bought the domain name. Okay. Um, the black, and so funny story about that. Cause I'd like to tie it all together. Um, cause God knew where God knew when we're talking about ordered steps, the righteous mm-hmm. man steps are ordered by the Lord. And when you think about that, I started the black man can, I bought the domain name, but .com wasn't available. And if you want to do a blog, you want to do .com, right. but only .org was available. Uh. Right. And so, cause God knew what was coming when I didn't, cause all I wanted to do was start a blog and like tell, and all I did was really reblog stories and tell, um, interviews on guys. Like I would interview them, send them questions. They send me their responses back and then I'd post it, Okay, you know? So I think that to be where we are now, um, is only, you know, by the grace of God. And I'm just excited for where we can go, mm-hmm. um, which again, are just order steps. So where it's going to be five years from now, I mean, it's already laid out. I just got to put the work in. Right. So, okay. You started reblogging other content and, and doing written interviews with men. These are just men that you knew. Just found figures. on Twitter. So, because there was oh. no Instagram and all that back then. So just Twitter, just following guys on social media, Twitter, and you follow different hashtags. I'm like, oh, this brother look cool. We got cool bio. We go do a story <laughs> on him. So not knowing if that thing is real or not. Right. We got a website. They got a bio and a website. We could do a story. Like, gotcha. <laughs> okay. So when did you reach your first tipping point where you said, all right, the reblogging is good. The interviews are good, but this is something more. Um, That's a good question. I don't, I really can't even actually like recall like mm-hmm. the moment. It was just like I'm more one of my favorite books um, is by uh, oh, man, I'm so I'm sorry I can't remember the name. Um, but it's called it's called Tim Grover. There it is Tim mm-hmm. Grover is from Good to Great to Unstoppable, mm-hmm. and he talks about three different three different types of people. And um, one of the people he's, he calls them cleaners, right? It's three different types of people, but one is called cleaners, and those are people who just kind of um, just do stuff like they don't really stop and smell the roses. Like when something's done, they're on to the next mm-hmm. thing. So that's kind of me. Um, which is a good thing and a bad thing because I don't sell I don't always celebrate small wins or big wins. I kind of just, all right, it's done. What's next? I can relate. <laughs> um, so with that, um, it's hard to actually pinpoint that because I've always just been um, doing stuff. If I want to say, if I could say one thing, I can say that I truly appreciate black women mm-hmm. um, because some of the things that I've done or even some of the ideas. So the Black Man Can is, you know, my idea, whatnot, but like some of the things that we've done, the Black Man Can Awards, that was something that was seated in me by Jasmine Crow, uh, pushing forward with falling black in love, which is the love aspect of what we do was uh, Glenda Smiley or uh, pushing forward with starting an Instagram page was Martine Edmonds. So all these different black women like poured into me. Giovanna Rodriguez is like, you should do a journal. So we created the Black Man Can Journal. So I think that I truly appreciate um, the the women that have mm-hmm. been around me to just plant a seed in me. I think, you know, what they say or like what I like to say, I posted it as a caption the other day with one of our pitches. And I said, when God can't reach you, he sends a black woman. So say that one more time. <laughs> when God can't, when God can't reach you, he sends you a black woman. So um, I think that um, so I'm appreciative of that and then being able to pour into me into that way. Awesome. So even though you're like a nose to the grindstone, just keep it moving kind of person, did you monitor the traffic early on? No. So you didn't even know how many visitors you were getting or anything? No, I just, you know, just want to tell stories. I just wanted to make sure that we created a space where when you came to it, all things positive. We wanted to, I wanted to just create the number one, even though I'm not looking at data to see if I'm number one, I'm just calling myself because sometimes you just got to call yourself something. (laughs) T.I. T.I. called himself the king of the South. (laughs) You know, he's just, I'm the king of the South. And then guess what? That's what it was. So like... The Black Man Can is the number one source for positive images and narratives of black men and boys. 
Nope. Who who gonna check me? You and, and know? There it is. Who gonna check me? <laughs> that's what we call. That's what we are. You know. And so that's kind of how it goes down. So sometimes you just gotta just put it out there. You know. I'm not mad at that at all. That's that confidence coming through. Yeah. And then and then and then ultimately we built that. Like if you look at you, I mean, we gonna bring back the blog with some of the things that mm-hmm. we're doing. So we'll get back to having the creating the web space because there still really isn't something www.something.com that's showcasing what we're showcasing. Um, so we're gonna bring that back. We have the Instagram. Um, we, we already have that 276,000 followers, um, 6 million impressions weekly, all around positive images of, of boys and men of color. So I think, you know, we really have an opportunity to really grow something really amazing here and really provide the positive contradiction to the prevailing black male image of today. Absolutely. And one thing I do appreciate is not only do you have the confidence, but you do have the work ethic to, to match it. And your digital footprint is real, right? Uh, DeMarcus, the producer of the show and I, we often like chuckle because we look at some profiles and we're like, hmm, like this is contrived, but the substance is not there, mm-hmm. you know, underneath. But when I did some research on you, I was like, no, this is the, the real deal. They've got, you know, significant programs that are happening. So speaking of those programs, what does the black man can look like today? What are the offerings that you have? So we, our staple program is the Black Mannequin Institute, which um, we're actually going to be, I guess, like almost officially announcing it here, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, like publicly, uh, we're going to be changing the name to Building a Better Brother Summit. Wow. Um, okay. So that's going to be the name of the Black Mannequin Institute uh, moving forward. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And it's more so, one, it makes it more inclusive because we do go to communities where there's Latino males mm-hmm. and then not everybody with, even within the black, within the diaspora calls themselves black. Right. So by just saying, um, building a better brother, we know it's tied to males of color. Um, so we're going to do that. So that's our staple program. We've done that um, over 50 times across the country, impacted over 5,000 young men who have attended our, our conferences, our summits. Um, so really excited um, to continue that work. We have some coming up um, in Boston and another one here in New York City um, in October. Um, we have... Um, um, our digital media side, which is Instagram and our blog. Um, and we're going to continue to grow that by creating our own content uh, alongside reblogging other people's content, other people's photos. Um, we have the Black Man Can Awards, which is our annual awards show to celebrate uh, Black men and boys. Uh, we had um, this past year in Atlanta, Georgia, and it went really well. Mm-hmm. Over 300 attendees. Uh, people loved it. Um, and even the way that we format the show, people were just really moved and really, um, they really enjoyed the experience sure. that we uh, created. Uh, we have the Falling Black in Love Awards. So that's our award show dedicated to Black love. So we're looking forward to having that again. Um, and we didn't do it in 2018, but we're going to bring it back in 2019. So we're actively working on that. Um, for 2019, we have some plans to, again, build out the digital side, as well as uh, create an online print magazine to co- accompany some of the work that we do that will come out quarterly. Um, so again, that's, and that all started from just a, a, a little blog that had, you know, three or four sections, um, positive black male news, exquisite women, because we were showcasing women um, as well, because it's just important as an organization that's focused on men mm-hmm. that we take the time to honor, salute, and hear the voices of women and girls. And so we make sure that we do that and we're intentional about that. Um, then we had like the village, which was honor, looking at different nonprofits doing good work. Um, and that was like mm-hmm. the blog. And it's grown into what it is now. And again, just really excited about what we can create um, from even just thinking about how we're going to lay out the magazine and make it something that is powerful right. um, and moving and people want to read the content that we're going to put out. So. Okay. So let's talk about black love for a minute. Okay. Um, because I think there seems to be this focus often. Of course we have um, the black love series that came out on own mm-hmm. two seasons of that, which was amazing. And you know, there are a lot of positive images out there, but there seems to be a significant focus too on this contention, whether it's contrived or real between black men and black women. Yeah. And a lot of the narrative is, you know, black women have done nothing but support and fight for black men, but they're not getting the same in return. Now, I think our exposure on the show is we meet amazing black men every day who are with black women and advocating for black women and married to them, et cetera. But I do think there's something to be said for increasing um, sort of the visibility of, of black men who are who are in the who are actively uplifting. So how do you think we as a people can help to bridge that divide where both sides feel like they're being supported equally? That's a great question. Um, I think media has, um, with a lot of things, media has a lot to play with, with the view, the way that we 
leave you uh, so many things. Um, I want to say we have to continue to have, as men have to create the opportunities. I we're doing it, mm-hmm. but we need as many different outlets and places that are showcasing um, like that partnership and showcasing how much we love um, Black women. I do think that... We don't always show up. Sometimes I'm, I guess, getting into like what it looks like, right? So right. I think there's like an idea of what Black women want that love, appreciation, support to look like. And it might not look how they want it to look. It is love, appreciation, support, but it might not be exactly how they want it to look. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, for example, when I think about what you mentioned in terms of men not necessarily showing up for women the same way. So like, I'll give examples of what that looks like. And why I think it creates the narrative that we have, which is so let's take a prayer breakfast at a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the men have prayer breakfast, the women are there, they, they cook the food, they're doing registration, <laughs> right. holding it down. Like brothers is in here praying, they they out, they doing it, right? Mm-hmm. When women have a prayer breakfast, women are manning the registration tables, right? Right there. So like that's. That's when I need you, like, in my corner. Trayvon Martin happens, I'm marching. Sandra Bland happens, no march. Right. Right. So it, it's sometimes like, yes, 87% of Black men marry Black women, and we need to continue to focus on that because it's, you would think it was a, a different number because we focus so much on the 13%. So you would think that... Um, and I mean, there's some other, so another one. So I used to, there's a show and um, when I lived in Connecticut, it was called um, Late Night with Linda Reynolds. And um, it's when all the slow jams are on and everything. So like all the women are calling in, y'all want to shout out my bae, you know, he's in Northern, he going to get out in like two years. I'm holding down, you know, the house until you come home. We can't wait to see you. Love you, boo. Mm, you know, kiss, mm-hmm. right? Then, but one of the fastest growing populations in prison is women, but you never hear dudes call and say, yo, babe. I want to shout out my queen. She locked up right now, but I can't wait till she comes home. I'm holding down the fort with the kids, right? right. You just don't see the same type of um, of love and appreciation and support in certain aspects, right? And it's, I think, you know, that's one thing we have to get to tell more, tell those stories of how Black men are, are doing those things and that those things are happening. And then also creating those opportunities, like again, with the prayer breakfasts and everything and those spaces where women are doing stuff and we're right there, supporting them in these different large scale uh, maybe type of events or different things I think there's just a there's something we have to fix there around that because I think that's where it comes from mm-hmm. um, that that narrative around uh, with some of the contention um, but I think but then I think about like what our pay just off Instagram alone you would think that you know we with Instagram one of the big things that people talk about now um, is engagement right and so like how many people are like actively liking or more so commenting on your post that's like a big thing like so right. you can have a lot of followers then the next question after that is like what's your engagement like and um, what I love about it fun I, I can answer the question and we have really great engagement but what I can then t- what I like to do is going back to your question is I get to create opportunities to do engagement posts that speak to what you're talking about. So like I had a post that said um, it was uh, the the guy from uh, that was in um, he was the one that was leading the rhinoceros in Black Panther. Mm-hmm. He was in Get Out too. Yes. Um, and so it was him and then the two uh, two of the warrior princesses but it was like at the Grammys uh, or the, the Golden Globes or something like that and it has them like on his side and then it's like it says me right and then it has when black women come into your life and it's like positive vibes mm-hmm. all these different things right and so like all these men were like commenting about you know how great it was to have um, these like, different black women in their lives where they were posting their friends their wives mm-hmm. whatever and then like we did another one um, where it was like it's kind of like an argument like a two different people and it was like um, I got an argument with my husband and, it, and I told him to get out the house and he came and picked me up and walked right out right mm-hmm. you know but like so many men were commenting yep that's you know so I think we get to create opportunities to show that you no know, we're here we love you we appreciate you we support you and then um, in those trench in the trenches we just have to show up maybe a little bit more a little bit stronger um, for black women just like they do we're in the trenches right um, and I think that's where the narrative really comes from about like being in the trenches being in the the valley right and black men aren't necessarily being there like we need them to be in the valley right um, maybe you might be there on the come up or at the mountaintop but like what I really need you to be is in the valley uh, with me as I climb out of the place that I may be in that's not um, conducive for my growth or it's a dark place a shadow of death 
Right. And I think that's important, that support in, in being with us in the Valley, because there is a lot of focus on what we can do for the black man and how we up, uplift and how we upgrade and all that other stuff. And I know um, there are women who are going to listen to the beginning of this podcast where you made the statement about if God can't reach you, he sends a black woman. Am I quoting that correctly? Yes. Um, there are some women who are going to take that ne- negative to, negatively and they're going to say, we're always doing the heavy lifting yeah, and absolutely. we're always positioned in a way and presented as the ones who have to nurture someone into their greatness, but who's nurturing us. Um, and I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with those messages as long as the other picture is there as well that there's a reciprocity i agree i completely agree with you and so that brings up the conversation around women's vulnerability sure because like i can post that but how many women's pages are gonna post the same thing like Mm -hmm. me when black men come into my life all these positive things come into my life right like you know what i mean and because of hurt that may have happened that's why I don't post like you won't like again, how many women's pages, women centric focus celebrating black women are going to post a picture with that? Probably none of them. Right? right. And so and so that vulnerability or so like I was having this conversation the other day uh, not to get into like dating and relationships because that's not what well, I don't think that's. Oh, focus. we talk about everything on the um, show. <laughs> but like I can recall uh, in relationships. Right. So like, I don't know. I think I'm a pretty proud guy. Um, I um, I'm a good man. Um, and so I, there's been these instances where like the girl that I'm, I'll give two different narratives. Mm-hmm. One where the girl that I'm with, uh, the woman that I'm with is right next to me. And so people might not necessarily know her but they know but they know me so then I, I do an introduction and then they say to her oh you, you got a great guy um you know that's what's up like you know you got a good one that's what right. they say say something to that extent and then and she was like but I'm good too right she couldn't take the time to be that vulnerable to acknowledge that like that you know they would kind of give right. me this props you know, and that like you like that's what's up. Like mm-hmm. you got a good man, and like no, well, then even take time to acknowledge that, right? Or then the other other example is um, being around people, and then it comes up like, oh, you know that we're together, and then people like, oh, that's what's up. You got a good a good guy, like all these different things. Maybe it comes with having a social profile and kind of doing a lot of different mm-hmm. things. Maybe that's where it comes from. That is, I guess it's just my life. It's not like I do about it. Right. Um, but then in that same space, right. Not necessarily being like, yep, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm like, yeah, I got a good one to be like, I mean, you know, it's cool. like, you know, yeah, I- it's cool. Yeah, I, right. <laughs> and like, it goes to, so in like a movie that I use to use this example is, um, in Tyler Perry's, the first one, why did I get married? Um, when all her friends, the friends was like, everything was kind of on shaky ground with everybody. Mm-hmm. And they were sitting outside the gazebo at her university and she came out and she was like, go, go tell your husbands that you love them and you miss them and you want to, and they were like, nah. <laughs> and I'm like, and so like, like we talk about this idea of, of men being vulnerable and we, that's a whole nother aspect of things that we as men need to work on so that uh, in terms of not suffering in silence, um, right. but the things that we're dealing with um, and being vulnerable. But then there's this aspect of like women being vulnerable, like as well. Right. And and I'm just giving different examples of like, no, nah, like almost being more masculine with like, no, nah, I'm not going to myself to be mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to tell him how much I love him. I'm not going to tell him. I'm not going to give him all these props in front of people. Like, no, because if I do that, that makes me look weak mm-hmm. because now I'm because I like I need a man like I can't do it without a man. Right. All these different things, you know. And so like when we get back, then we get back to this whole contention. I think right. all these things tie back to like why we have the narratives that we have. Um, and, and that's just part of being human, too, you know. Right. But I think that's part of some of the friction that we that we have um, amongst each other and we have to do better um, because we need each other. Like if, if we didn't learn anything from Botham Jean this past last week in Dallas, Texas, mm-hmm. Serena Williams the week before, we have to protect each other. Black men need to protect black women. Black women need to protect black men. And we have to be in this together because if we're not, it's, it's, it's not going to work out. Absolutely. And one of the things that I have mentioned on this show um, is that there are a lot of black women who have been forced to stand up and play both roles or, or be strong um, and, and play a dominant position. And it takes time to peel back those layers and learn how to be vulnerable and learn that it's OK to publicly dote 
on someone. It doesn't make you weak to do that. Right. Um, so I think there needs to be mercy and grace extended. Um, and we do, we have to support and protect each other at all costs. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up that, that statistic because media would have you believe that any black man with any modicum of success, he's hoping for a woman who's not black, who's not two parents black. And that's not always the case. And more often than not, they are married to or are actively seeking a black woman. So it's just what we see in the media that's presenting something Absolutely. else. And you marry those media images with a lot of black women who do feel abandoned or looked over. And there's a bitterness that festers. Absolutely. And Huge. then yeah, and then you have black women who are perpetuating a narrative that's not even true. So I'm I'm often when I talk to my homegirls and you know something goes down with somebody and they're like, if I was mixed, it'd be a different story. And I'm like, not necessarily true. <laughs> not necessarily true, right? There there are those who have self-hate issues and internalized white supremacy who do feel like they need someone who's exotic or they need biracial children as that last notch in the belt. But I talk to black men and I meet black men every week and, and and many of them are actively taken care of, building with, doting upon, or seeking a black woman. Absolutely. So. Right here. Right here. That's me. You know, <laughs> you I got think. Your hand you up. Know. Are you on the market? <laughs> I am. You heard it, sister. <laughs> you heard it here. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, so. let's dating in New York. That could be a show by itself. We, uh, I mean, I've only been lived here for six months, so I can't really relate to what that may be like. So, but in the six months, have you have you been exhausted of it yet? Or are you still too new? No, I, I'm still too new. Okay, I'm, I'm very new. So, <laughs> um, okay, we'll leave that where it's at. But anyway, so shifting gears a little bit, I know that you are and your organization are actually pouring into young men as well and cultivating them into being hopefully um, or following in the footsteps of what you and the men who work with your organization are. So tell me a little bit more about the work that you do with boys. Obviously, so our, our main point is the uh, Building a Better Brother Summit, Summit. formerly known yes. as the Black Man Can Institute. Um, and so there, um, the boys will go to a host of workshops that are done by various men within our mentor network, uh, from financial literacy, the intersection of math and music, the intersection of hip hop and education, passion, hunger, drive, uh, hip hop as life skills, um, uh, entrepreneurship, and this goes on of uh, the different topics, academic excellence, uh, positive self-identity development, brotherhood building. So all these different uh, exercises, um, workshop topics um, are what they do. Um, the boys also will hear from a keynote speaker. Mm -hmm. um, they'll receive ties um, and learn how to tie double Windsor knots um, or single Windsor knots at the Institute. They'll receive a certificate and they also receive a copy of the Black Man Can Journal, uh, Define Yourself, Redefine the World, a guided journal for boys and men of color. So that is kind of like the summit in a whole. Uh, we'll have a photo booth. We call it the Black Boy Joy photo booth. Um, it's always great to see the boys smiling and mm -hmm. taking pictures with signs, say Black Excellence, Black Boy Joy, I Am King. Um, and so that's kind of like the experience. And so really create this experience of boys loving themselves and loving each other um, as brothers. And that um, together uh, as one, we can we can achieve greatness. And I think, I mean, there's so many different positive stories I can talk about. Like I remember we did one, we're going to go back to Boston, but we did one in Boston last year. And so we had about 200 boys from all over Boston and boys from different neighborhoods. And and they were like, if we saw each other outside of this, like we wouldn't, like we, we don't bang with each other. It's not going mm -hmm. down like that. And then... But like he was here, I'm here, and like the whole setting is like, I mean, he's he's me. Like, yeah, he lives on that block, and we don't bang with those dudes on that block, but like we're all, we're all the same. And like that's an amazing story to have a young man who like you know thinking about like, no, nah, we're enemies simply because we live in two different places. Where right. now, like, no, we're actually brothers, and together we can achieve more. Or another story, um, we did one um, this. When we did in Delaware um, and a bunch of young men came out, obviously. And then I found myself in Delaware maybe like three or four months later um, doing some follow up work and was walking down MLK Drive. And, you know, I'm good on, on any MLK block, um, including <laughs> in Wilmington, Delaware. And uh, but anyway, I saw the young man or more so he noticed me. I should say that. And he was like, hey, you Mr. Black Man Can. And I was like, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, I could be Mr. Black Man Can. Uh, and he was like, you know, at the Institute, um, you said whatever we do well, after we learn how to tie a tie, we 
have to uh, pay it forward and teach somebody else. And I was like, yep, you're right. I did say that. And, and, and so I was like, who did you teach? He's like, I taught my dad how to tie a tie. Wow. You know, and I was just like, that type of story is why we have to keep going, why we have to continue to push forward um, and create these opportunities for boys to come together to build brotherhood um, and see, uh, learn more about each other and themselves. That's awesome. So how do boys get into the summit? Um, we work with like different nonprofit organizations, different school networks um, and municipalities to bring it to a particular city. So we may have one that comes to a city and it's open, it's for all boys or it might be with a specific subset of group of kids. Uh, so it, it varies in terms of how boys may get into it. We're moving a lot more to working with specific groups of, of organizations, maybe a charter network or uh, a network of schools um, just because it gives us more access to kids um, when we do that so we can have 250, 300 boys at an institute. That's awesome. So people may be shocked to find out that you actually have a day job. Yeah, I do. <laughs> we were talking about the black man game the whole time, huh? Yeah. So what is it that you do um, as an employee for another organization? <laughs> I am the deputy director of social emotional learning for the Urban Assembly. Uh, the Urban Assembly is a nonprofit organization that provides, that operates 22 schools uh, throughout New York City through school support. So first I want to know, what is social emotional learning? Social emotional learning, it depends on who you talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, who, what people will say, but social emotional learning is the building of skills around social management, social awareness um, inside of kids. You're talking about positive self-identity, empathy, uh, creating more pro-social behaviors within students. Um, And that would be the best, that would be a good solid definition of um, social emotional learning is really teaching kids. We can, the fact is the best way to, one other way to put it is like we can teach kids intrinsic motivation. We can teach kids uh, to make how to make good decisions, um, and if we do that at an early age, that will then help them later on in life um, as they combat life and all the different challenges that it's going to throw at them. So, what does your work look like in practice on a day to day basis? So, I work with a, I have a portfolio of schools mm-hmm. uh, throughout New York City, and I'm working with each school. We have like an SEL team um, in that school, and I'm working with them specifically um, around uh, direct instruction, uh, social emotional supports, uh, behavior supports, and extra curricular activities that tie directly back to social emotional learning within the school. And this was really looking at everything with inside the school as mm-hmm. social emotional learning, tying it to various competencies. Um, so that way we can really provide that type of support to students. There's also the curriculum that we use as well as um, evaluation to say, okay, we're teaching, we're teaching goal-directed behavior, we're teaching social management, social awareness, um, and then evaluating that as well. So if I were to hear this, I'd automatically assume, oh, he was a psychology major or he went to school for education or behavioral therapy or sociology, but your major was business marketing. Is that correct? It was business marketing. Yes. So how did you go from majoring in business marketing to the work that you're doing now? Um, uh, so I was in Inroads uh, growing up. Shout and, out to Inroads. I'm yeah. an Inroads alum. Uh, there we go, Inroads <laughs> alum. It was get it. Um, and I mean, I had corporate jobs. Um, all through college, I worked at uh, Kraft Foods uh, for two summers. I worked at Liberty Mutual for a summer. Um, and it was my third internship at Kraft Foods. Great internship. Company car, free housing, company all that. Company car, y'all were balling yeah, yeah. at Kraft. I, I had a company car for two summers. I was at night. Teen years old with a company car. Are you car. serious? You know, so like sometimes just thinking about certain things like what kids can accomplish. I was 19 and I had mm-hmm. a company car and a company credit card, you know, to get gas. Like, um, so I was just thinking about, I was just pondering on that. Like, wow. You know? I know, but I'm anyways, thinking back. I was um, at Johnson Johnson. Now I did travel. They put me on a few flights, but yeah. I did not have the company I car. I traveled to company <laughs> car all summer. So I didn't pay for gas like all summer, uh, which is cool. Um, but my third summer, I was at Kraft Foods. I was a customer analyst. I had more of a desk job. Mm-hmm. Um analyzing data, um, why Oscar Mayer bacon wasn't selling, uh, why Kool-Aid was, Kraft makes Kool-Aid, um, Kool-Aid wasn't selling, uh, why uh, coffee sales were down or whatever. And I'm just like, I think there's more to life than this. Absolutely. Um, and I was like, I think I'm supposed to be with some young boys because that's what I was doing during the school year. I was doing mentoring and working with the kids and all that stuff. And so I got back to school and I did all the, I went on a job. I had six job offers out of college from American Express to Macy's to Kraft, to Pepsi, to um, Humana, um, all places that wanted to offer me a job because I felt like I was like the LeBron James of college grad. College what year grads. was this? This is 09. 09, okay. So I was like the LeBron James of college grads. That's um, an interesting time to have that many offers. Yeah. 09 well, you know, because most of mine were like 
Uh, like aside from American Express, which is still finance, but it's a different type mm-hmm. of financial company. Um, it was um, consumer consumer goods. driven. Mm-hmm. You know, made people still shopping. That's they ain't got true. no money, but they going to Macy's. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean Macy's feeling it now, but you know that's more so because the retail experience has changed, not because people aren't shopping. Right, women still buying shoes. You yeah, know, I can attest to that. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, I just realized that I wanted to be in education and youth development, um, and I still have my love for business and marketing. Like I'm really big into marketing and content creation, which is how I'm able to probably build some of the things and do the things that I do now. Um, And so I was like, I want to... going to education. And so I, I had applied to Teach for America, uh, maybe a few other like teaching type of fellowship type roles. And I got a teaching fellowship at the Fessenden School um, in West Newton, Massachusetts. Wow. Um, it's a junior boarding school and I lived on campus. So I did what they call the triple threat, uh, which is teaching, coaching and living on campus. Um, and it was great. And that's how I got into them. I started my career in education, went to Connecticut. Um, I was there for like the last seven years uh, doing um, as a school administrator um, at high School Inc. Um, and then in March, April of this year, I moved to New York City to take this role as deputy director of social emotional learning. And I'm excited for the next uh, after this. Yeah, I have no idea because if you asked me last year if I'd be here, mm-hmm. I'd say no. So I have no idea what's next for me. Uh, but that goes back to like walk by faith and not by sight um, and continue to just put the ideas and thoughts into the world, work and execute things and, you know, ultimately see what happens. You know, um, that's that's my story. Well, that's impressive. But tell me, how are you balancing your work at Urban Assembly with the Black Man Can? Um, you know, days are long um, because um, having a caseload of schools um, and then basically running our department and we have mm-hmm. a lot of work to do because um, we also have schools in LA and then we're with the technology that we've developed, we're going to be in some more schools across the country. Um, so then when I go home, I'm working on the Black Man Can. Um <sighs> And it's just working two jobs. Um, And I don't know if there's maybe even a a real idea of balance per se. I think that some days I'm great at Urban Assembly and maybe the Black Man Can didn't get, got 50% of me. And then there's days where Urban Assembly may get 75% of me, but the Black Man Can got 100%. And you just kind of, that maybe that's the balance. So like if you put it on a a weekly scale, the goal is by the end of the week to have given 100% to both things. Mm -hmm. But like the days in which both get 100% vary. Kind of like, I think that's what like, even if you're like, I, I look forward to being, to having a family um, and being a husband and being a father. And I think that that's, if anything, is somewhat practice to do that. So some days I'm going to be an amazing husband and great at my job. And I might not have been the best uh, dad. Right. Right. And then another day I was the best dad, the best husband. And work was like, yeah, today wasn't your day, <laughs> you know? Um, but over all of it, it averages out where it's like, I'm actually great at everything. Um, but there's just days where I'm not great at it. Right. So and, do you think, because I know a ton of people who have these projects that they're passionate about, but they're very secretive of them because they don't, they're afraid that their employer is not going to be supportive of the work that they do or suspicious of their ability to balance. Now, you've already said that some days Urban Assembly gets 75%, right? Um, but do you feel like you're the world, your employer is behind you in the black man can? Um, yes, because that's how they found me. So gotcha. Urban Assembly was a client of mine to do our conferences. And then I have the other experience of being a school administrator. And so you complement those two things together. And, and, I, and I'm a, a great candidate for the role that I have now. But it's hard. Uh, I'm not saying that I, I have to, you know, take my days off when I'm doing stuff mm-hmm. for the black man can and whatnot, which is fine. But it would be hard to... It would be hard pressed for to say that to me, being that that's how I, I came to even have the role that I have. Right. That's good. Having the right type of job, I think, is important. The right position. And I think I have a great, uh, great boss, uh, David Adams. I'm going to shout him out because um, he might listen to this. Uh, so shout you out, David. Um for even, you know, seeing the potential in me to, again, what you mentioned, I'm not a psychologist. I didn't go to school for these different things, but what I have is the ability to learn. Absolutely. Um, and so that's anything like I, I, aside from maybe being like a doctor, or like an engineer, there's no job that you could pretty much give me and I can't learn how to do it. Right. And I think that that's one way we have to start to evaluate talent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, can they have the ability to learn? Because I might have other pieces that go right. with it and then I'll have the ability to learn the skill behind whatever it is that needs to be done. Then, you know, then I should be hired. And I think that specific task, it needs to happen more for people of color. 
especially black men of color, um, there's an implicit bias, implicit bias. There are studies about it, et cetera, when it comes to us about our abilities. And we've got to come in ready to go on, on the job where someone else might be given an opportunity to grow and expand. So mm-hmm. I think it's important to have those tough conversations and explain to folks that they may have a bias that they don't even realize and creating opportunities for someone to grow into a role that I think that needs to happen more than it is happening. Absolutely. For sure. So let's talk about your social media presence. You alluded to it before. Um, the black man can is out here approaching 300,000 followers, which That's is crazy, which right? is no small feat. You're not yeah. buying followers. You didn't just go viral all for organic, one thing. Baby. Yeah. If it's all, all organic, organic, baby, you deserve a That's pat on the back. That's all organic. Put that out there. <laughs> Nobody buying no followers. All organic. Because guess what? This time, two years ago, we had 5,000 followers. Wow. So I just want to, you know, if that's not... I, I'm, just, I, I'm, I'm just looking that way, but I'm just like, yeah, I just want to say... Listen, <laughs> that, that, that is worth really focusing on. DeMarcus, our producer, said non-GMO. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you do it, though? How did you go from 5,000 to almost 300,000 in two you years? Um, there's a lot of different things that I think go into that. Um, Absolutely. Enlighten me. (laughs) (laughs) So first, I'm going to say that um, we're intentional about showcasing uh, boys, men of color, particularly black men um, in all the spaces that we walk in and talk in Mm -hmm. and occupy. So like if you go on Instagram and you look up different pages and some of these pages I'm cool with, you know, I Mm -hmm. pull content from their pages and everything, but it's very segmented. So like if you're doing black men in fashion, you can only post black men in fashion. Right. If you're doing black men who travel, guess what? You can only do black men who travel. If you're doing fatherhood, guess what? All you can do is fatherhood. And sometimes it's not even diverse. It's really like, like, so for example, our fatherhood posts don't just, it's not just um, dads with their daughters or dads with their sons, like as the little kids, because like sometimes those are like just really cute pictures, Mm -hmm. but I'll do the legacy pictures, which is grandfather, dad, son, right? Um, We'll do the maternity photos, right? Mm Because like, What's beautiful is like everything is coming from a male centric point of view. So like when you see our post, it's like it's it's celebrating that man in the picture with that woman who's pregnant. Right. Which is not what all the other pages, most of all the pages are women based pages of like, oh, she's pregnant. They'll even do the solo pictures of that same woman. So I've seen those pictures. I've seen pictures. I've seen father, um, mother, husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend who we posted. But. If you go to another page, they didn't post the boyfriend. They just posted the the one single picture that they took of the woman, which is right. I mean, we celebrate all the motherhood is great, you know. But we hit on making sure like that post, but it's about that man being there for that woman in that picture. Mm-hmm. Or when we're doing, we're the only page. I don't know who runs the other pages, so this might necessarily be not necessarily one hundred percent true. But we're we're almost like the only page that is created by a man to celebrate men who propose, right? So like there are other proposal pages and like there's one, there are other ones that are celebrating the, like the man proposing, but it's not necessarily, I don't know if it, I, I, I'm a doubt that it's a man who's doing it. One. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not celebrating like the man for making the commitment to his queen. Right. And so that's huge. Right. So like when you see it, you see this engagement, but we're celebrating that man for asking, not for the woman who got asked. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is, and it's important. Like we, when we get the ring, you just, been waiting, whatever. I got it. I understand. I right. get it. Um, but as a man, I know while I haven't asked somebody um, yet, um, I know the level of commitment and love that you have to have for that person to want to ask. Right. For that person to have your hand in marriage and spend the rest of your life with. And that has to be celebrated um, because it's no easy feat to get there mentally to give of yourself that much, to spend that much um, on a ring to then um, say this is the woman I want to be with. And so we want to celebrate those kings who are committing. So that's the hashtag is like kings commit. Um, so we have that. Then we, you know, fall in black in love, just celebrating black men. So if you look at a lot of our pictures, I try to go for pictures where the black man is showing affection to his queen. Mm-hmm. So like it might be a kissing photo or something like that. I mean, sometimes you just get some dope photos, you know, but like that's showing that affection because you know, we, 87% of black men marry black women. And that's what we're focusing on here at the Black Man Can. Right. Um, and so I think all these different pieces have allowed for us to organically build um, 
um, are following. And then we'll post brothers dancing, you know, when they're on the train, hitting, hitting like really dope things or showtime. Um, yeah, you know, so we 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 show those. Um, we posted a picture the other day with just some young boys. They were probably somewhere, I don't know where they were. I think they were down south. I'm gonna say down south, the accent sounded like down south, and they got a boy, he's standing on like a, a ledge, and it's a bunch of boys, and they're standing here like ready to catch him. He's gonna backflip off of the ledge. It's really high. I'm talking about something that's probably like at least 10, 11 feet in the air mm -hmm. and backflip into their arms. And like, I'm watching it and it's like, but like that's brotherhood, right? So we post those pictures. We post the groomsmen pictures. Uh, we post, you know, we have a lot of women followers. So brothers with their shirts off. I mean, that's not me, but there are brothers. We put four or five brothers all you dieseled creating, up. You are creating thirst traps you on know, black men. No, kid. no, no, no. <laughs> but women, women like, you know, to see men with the, with the, with the, the pecs out, you know, and you know, I think I saw one post, woman responded she she called the this is a trap right i think these are the traps up mm -hmm. here she called them thigh holders you know uh <laughs> i don't know if i got too x-rated for the podcast no you can but um, she was like you know i was like i didn't even think i didn't even think about that but i mean i guess that i guess that proper terminology you know um but i have to post those things too just brother suited you know just suited well dressed we do love a good tailored you know? suit you know, you know i must I mean? say so, tailored is the key so, word here and then, and then brothers want to see it like y'all want to see what dudes is wearing i want to see the fashion and everything like that too so i think again what helps is having a holistic perspective of us. Then we can do profiles of men, you know, who are starting businesses or our doctors and lawyers. Like we just posted one um, of a brother who's a vet and he was doing some work on a dog. Like that's what we post, you know, mm -hmm. every po every page can't post that picture. Right. Uh, so we're a celebration of us in all the different spaces, places that we walk and talk and occupy. And I think that that's what allows for us to continue to build our following because we have that diversity of photos. And truth be told, we are not a monolith. Black women are not. are not, black men are not. And I think sometimes we do. I mean, I love the black fatherhood pages, you know, I, I love the fashion pages, but it's good to see something diverse in in one space mm -hmm. that really showcases how varied we really are. So we've talked a lot about the accomplishments, the six job offers, the going from 5,000 followers to almost 300,000, the summit, all of the initiatives that you have under the Black Man Can. Tell me about a time when you've had to be extraordinary on an ordinary day? A time where I had to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Yeah, so when it, when it wasn't one of those big accomplishment days when you're not, you're knocking it out of the park. I don't think I hit it out of the park most days. <laughs> but um, I think about, I mean, so there's a few different things that I think about. Um, I think about, um, so we in 2013, we, so this is, I'm going to tell a story to lead into what happened. Mm -hmm. So in 2013, I got one, probably at, the, at that at that time, or three years into the Black Man, I probably got my biggest feature to date, which was uh, Jet Magazine. Mm -hmm. And it's a whole story how that happened. Um, but it happened. Shout out Dr. Sierra in Florida for making it happen. I don't even think she knew it was Jet, but it happened to be that. Anyways. Um, so we got on Jet Magazine. This is still when it was in print. We like, I think on the second to last issue of print. Wow. Of Jet Magazine. It's a good so old like, five by seven yeah. Jet Magazine. Um, and so our, we had done some web hosting stuff or whatever. So Jet Magazine comes out. We're getting some great traffic. People are like, oh, that's what's up. Checking out what we got. You read the magazine. People in barbershops seeing black man can everywhere, you know? And then a the website crash. Like, I lost, lost everything. So wait, you can recover what was and on your website? Everything. It was all gone. Oh my all gosh. All of it. All gone. We didn't have no backup. Files wasn't sitting nowhere. It was gone. This is 2013. This is three years of content. Oh my gosh. Three. Um, and so I had to be extraordinary because it was an ordinary day. But then I had to I was I was upset, but I had to pull myself together because I'm like, we're getting all this traffic. Now people go to like a, a blank place. Um, so I hit up some friends who do design, um, some other people like, hey, man, I got a little bit of money. At this point, uh, I need to build a site. We need to get a splash page up just so people go. It's like, oh, coming back soon. Um, and then we need to build a site. Um, and like in less than a week, like we built, rebuilt the site with a, as much content as we could that I could remember from different places and everything. Um, and we rebuilt the site in like a week and we're back up and running. Um, but I had to, we, we lost it all. 
We lo- like when I say we lost it all, there was no, there was nothing left. There was, it and, was all gone. And people gone. may hear that now and be like, "That's crazy." But if you've been doing websites for a while, I had a, a blog back then. I had one before then. Backups were not as pervasive as they are now. Now mm. it's just like you could probably find it somewhere. It's being held on some server. But back then, you were just out of luck yeah. if something went wrong and you didn't proactively set up that you know, online space for it to hold your content. So you had to reinvent, not by choice, but you you were forced to reinvent. Yeah, yeah. We launched a whole new website, um, different format feel. I mean, we're on our fifth website now. So even you think about that, we're on our fifth website in five years, you know? So like, that's how fast layouts change on websites and the way pages flow. Like the way pages flow now is not how pages flowed, you know, even two years ago, um, which is which was fine on different websites. So I think that, um, yeah, that's a, you know, that's just a, you know, that's what it is. So. That's awesome. So what's on the horizon for you? Whoa. What, give me some more. What you, what you, what you, what are you, what are you getting at here? I, I left it open-ended and ah, open-ended ah, for a reason. Ah. <laughs> What's on the horizon? Um, thinking about grad school. Um, so looking at some opportunities there. Um, I'm thinking about how we can grow the Black Man Can. The biggest thing that we we have our fundraising campaign going on right now. So anybody listening, uh, please take time to donate to the Black Man Can. Uh, it is $25 that we're asking for of every person because um, it costs $25 for a boy to attend the Black Man Can Institute. So we're just asking you to sponsor one boy. But if you would like to sponsor more, we greatly appreciate that too. Um, we've raised over $20,000 since the beginning of the year. Uh, so we're trying to kind of continue. I want to get to 50. That's like my goal mm-hmm. uh, to get to 50 by the end of the year. So I think it's possible. Um, so there's that. Um, then um, looking at continuing to grow the Black Man Can, um, creating more digital content, um, growing our, um, continue to grow our following, launch a magazine. Um, so those are some of the things that are on the horizon for the Black Man Can. Again, for me, definitely thinking about grad school, thinking about how long I want to stay in New York City. Um, do I want to stay in New York City for grad school? Um, and I think to get... I guess even more personal. Um, I think that I, at the age that I'm at now, not, I'm not old, um, but Jay-Z said 30 is new 20. So, um, <laughs> and I want to, aside from like this grad school, building out the business, um, I want to start, I guess you could say the next phase of my life, mm-hmm. family, um, marriage or marriage, family. Um, and I think, you know, since we'll, we can, I don't mind getting into it because I think it's, I think it's things that men need to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so the last, let's say six months, um, of my, of my core group of friends, I'm kind of the only one that's, that's, that's not uh, married or in a relationship, have kids for the most part, one of those three areas. And, um, so I spend time with my friends. And so when I do, it's a lot of times with families and kids and love and relationships and happy, sustainable, functional marriages. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mentors have that too. And so over the last six months, I've had these moments where I've been really emotional um, in these spaces. And so what I've realized is that, I mean, I've accomplished a lot of things in my life today. It's been great. I appreciate the order steps that guy has me walking in and everything that has happened. I'm greatly appreciative of it. Um, And all those things bring me, have brought me happiness and joy, peace. Um, But in the spaces with the families, I'm filled more than any of the accomplishments that I've received to date. Wow. Right. And I mean, I, I mean, I've walked red carpets, you know, with the stars, um, but still not filled as much. And that's around other people's families. So I can only imagine what it would be like around when it's my own family. Absolutely. Um, and so that's that's something that I know. I know he he who findeth a wife find a favor in the Lord. I know that um, you have to the greatest accomplishment that a man can have is to have a family and his wife and and be a great husband and a great father i know these things known them for some time uh but i haven't felt it right and i think that that's where i'm at now so like because i feel it and i feel how filled i am in certain spaces now i want my i would like to have it for myself because i can only imagine how filled i'd be do i know it's going to be a lot of work absolutely i'm not i want to discredit the work that goes into having those things but i know that the feeling that i get i want to that's the work i want to do because of the feeling i get 
and the satisfaction that I get out of the accomplishment of being, or the accomplishment that I will have of being a great father and a great husband. So I think that um, that's also on the horizon. I think um, that I want to um, embark upon that journey uh, in my life. So, Well, you've surprised me, <laughs> intrigued me, because often I think women in our 30s, we feel that pressure and we want that. And there's a longing for a lot of us, not for everyone, but for a lot of the women that I interact with. And the assumption is that men feel like they have all day so they can get around to it whenever they get around to it. Um, and they don't have the same limitations that we have from a biological perspective, et cetera. So I'm even surprised to hear you say that as someone who's early into his 30 something journey, um, that you, you want that and you have a longing for and, it. And I think, you know, I think that's a, I think the biological clock thing is real. Like that's, mm-hmm. there's a difference between men and women mm-hmm. on that. But I think the big piece is that, um, that, well, first the f- number, the, the the best way to put it, when I hear men talk about it, because I, I can remember early in my mid-20s saying things like this. And I think that this is what men think. Men think in this, in this, where we are right now in society and our culture is that men feel they need to have all their ducks in a row. Right. And, and that looks different for each man, but it's flawed thinking, right? Because if you feel that way, guess what? All you can do is create more ducks, mm-hmm. right? You could be like, well, I need to get, I want to make a hundred, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars before I settle down. I, you know, be with this woman, whatever. Well, once you get to a hundred, you say, I need to make 120. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to just sit automatically. So, I mean, I got here, but I still don't feel like I, you know, have enough, um, all my ducks in a row. So I'm going to keep raising the bar. Um, and then you're just going to, what you're doing is just creating a more of a vacuum of loneliness, right? right? Because you can't, again, all those things that you're talking about can't fill you the way that, um, you'll be filled, uh, with, you know, with the family. Right. And then on top of that, when you think about scripture and he who findeth a wife, find a favor in the Lord, uh, that means and women by virtue, they're multipliers. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, Jay-Z used to perform in front of 20,000. Now he performs in front of 80,000. If he's not with Beyonce, there's no ever, no rap artist is ever performing in front of 80,000 people on a world tour. It's just not happening, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but by that connection with Beyonce, like it multiplied him and catapulted him in many ways that he could have never imagined imagine um and change his life you know um and and that's that's what women do by nature when you're with the right one and that's what's gonna happen and then again in that bring because like that favor that joy and that blessing it comes through her so like it first and foremost she bears your children so like when we, when I'm talking about the feeling that I want to that I'm looking to to have because of the work that I want to do um which is have a wife and have children uh, I can't do it by myself right right so like that's with that that's what that's talking about you know i can't i can't get i can if if i say i, I never make that commitment can i have an amazing life have joy and happiness and great things absolutely i'm gonna be blessed beyond measure ordered steps everything it's mm-hmm. not saying that you're not gonna have that but what it is saying is that there is a level of blessings and happiness um that you cannot get because you have not made you know that commitment And do you think that this mindset is inherent for you or do you think that it's fortified or bolstered in some way by the fact that you hang around men who are, do they do have families and they are family? I think it's both. I think, I think, I think all those factors, I think if you talk about my personal story, so um, my personal story is um, tied to, um, you know, growing up in a single parent household and all these various factors. Um, So I think that plays a role. I think being, having mental who have healthy and sustainable marriages to um, friends who have um, healthy and strong and sustainable marriages and they're they're putting in the work to have their strong, sustainable and healthy marriages and see men actively putting in that work. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I know the work is there because it happens. Right. You know, um, in life um, between and, and her life stuff is going to happen and your life stuff is going to happen. But a relationship in some ways is two people who don't know nothing, but are willing to figure it out together. You know, um, that's why I think they say you should, you know, marry your best friend because like so much stuff is going to happen. And so when you're in the trenches, you want to be in the trenches with your best friend. Absolutely. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. I hope you <laughs> I have too. as well. I hope that I've said a few things, dropped a few gems, you know. 
Absolutely. <laughs> so tell me, we won't keep you for too much longer, but where can people find you online? Um, personal, um, at Brandon Frame on Twitter and Instagram, at The Black Man Can on Twitter and Instagram. Please check out our website, www.theblackmancan.org. Donate to the organization. Uh, uh, drop a seed, sow a seed into a life of a young man. Um, you can see the videos and everything. You can see the Raising Kings campaign. That's what the name of the campaign is called. You'll see the video and, you know, where we've been featured um, and whatnot. Not. Um, so, and then I, one of my um, female, I guess she, maybe she's a female mentor slash friend is Lucinda Cross. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just wrote a book. It's called The Big Ask. And so we're going to figure, like, she's always like, you got the big ask and you guys ask her what you want. So for those listening, uh, the biggest thing that we're looking for as an organization um, is um, to be connected to um, sponsors. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that you see, for the most part, I, I fund it myself. Um, that's why we had to do a fundraising campaign so I could at least get an operating budget um, to do all the different things that we do. Um, so anybody listening, anybody interested, we need to be connected to uh, sponsors or funders who want to get behind our mission and vision and movement um, to uh, build young men um, and build brotherhood and grow upstanding men. So um, that's my big ask since, you know, that's how people can find us, but that's the big ask. Let me just say this to my city folks. You can spend more than $25 on two drinks <laughs> going out in New York City, Brooklyn, and the like. So skip the boozy brunch one week or just drink a little less and support the cause. I think it's, it's very important. I think sometimes we, you were talking about it within the context of men wanting to be a husband and saying, I got to get my ducks in a row. I think sometimes as young professionals, we may feel like, oh, I'm going to give back when I get to this level because mm-hmm. we feel like it has to be on the $1,500, you know, 5000 buy a whole table at a gala type. Yeah, yeah at, <laughs> at a gala or something, that type scale. Yeah. However, every little bit counts. Absolutely. And if $25 can send a young brother to this summit where he can have an experience that might impact him and change the trajectory of his life, we got to get behind that. So you have my $25, that's thank for you. sure. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, I think just thank you for the opportunity to come and just share. Um, I'm trying to be always honest and transparent. Mm-hmm. So I thank you for creating a space to allow me to be that. I appreciate all the questions and it's really an honor to be here. Um, and I'll take it lightly. And it's an honor to have you. I mean, when I saw those almost 300,000 followers, I was like, oh, <laughs> This is legit. Hopefully he has time to come on the podcast. So I'm very appreciative. We are appreciative of having you on the show. To our listeners, make sure you go out there, donate, follow Brandon, follow The Black Man Can online. And most importantly, please remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa and music was provided by Thovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26th. That's December 26ER.